1: Today, I need you now more than ever. If you would, today, God, allow me rest. And I would ask that you preach. I'll just open my mouth and allow you to preach. I'll open my mouth and allow you to speak. Today, I need you more than ever, God. I'm going to do my best to press forward and press through my own morning to share this message that you've prepared. I open my mouth. Use it as a mouthpiece for you today. Speak through me today, God, if you would. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are. If you're not, we have these handouts. If you need a pen, we have those too. We're so good, you don't even have to return it. But if you do, we'd be grateful. (laughs) We're going to be taking some notes here, so follow along with us. We're going to jump right into the book of Matthew, and we shared this last week. We're going to talk about the foundation of the church. Matthew 16, verse 18 says this. Now, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Let me stop right there. If you look in your notes, you notice I underline that word, my. Whose church is being built here? This is Jesus talking to Peter. Right before this, he asked Peter, Peter, who do people say that I am? And and, and they go on, they say, you're this, you say you're that. He says, well, Peter, who do you the person who's been traveling with me, getting dirty with me, getting funky with me, watching me perform great miracles, the person who is dealing with the same type of persecution that I am, who do you, my man, say that I am? And Peter confesses, the first confession that we find in the New Testament, Peter confesses that you are the great Messiah, the Son of God, you are our Savior. In essence, what is what he's saying. And he says, you get it. So because you get it, I'm going to build my church on you, the rock. And before that, he was Simon. His name was Simon. He changed his name to Rock. Now, Peter, this word Peter uh, is, is, is in, in the Greek is petro, which means small stone. Petra is the foundation, is, a, is, is another word. So, Petra, P E E T R A, Petra is the foundation. It's a huge stone. Peter is a small rock. Jesus said, On this small rock, you. Peter, I'm going to build my church. Let me go on. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. You know, many times we look over that word, oh, we skip that. It says, I will build my church and all the powers, meaning whatever the devil our spiritual adversary throws at you, No matter what he throws at you, no matter how large his so-called army is, no matter how powerful he thinks it is, none of what he throws at the church will will, 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 will conquer it. It will not fail. We are indestructible as a church. We need to get that. A lot of times we read right over that we're indestructible as a church. I got two really important points I want to share with you. But before that, y'all know how I like to do I like to give y'all a few Greek words. So at the end of the year, y'all can collect them and sound deep to your friends. You're like, Yeah, I belong to an ecclesia. You're like, Whoa, you're deep. Is that the name of your church? No, we are an ecclesia. And that's the Greek word I'm going to share with you today. When we look in New Testament scripture, anytime we see this word church, and this is the first time it appears in the New Testament, and Jesus says it himself, he's speaking specifically of this word ecclesia. And it comes from actually two words put together. The first word meaning to assemble, an assembly. The second part of that is it means to be called out or called out. So you put it together, an assembly of called out people or called people. That's where the word ecclesia comes from. It doesn't mean ecclesia a building. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean ecclesia a place. I'm, I'm 100% certain it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean ecclesia, a denomination. I'm 1,000% confident it doesn't mean that. It means an assembled body of people called out to do something greater than we can do on our own. It's an assembly of people. It's not an individual. Think about it. If we, if we, if we read the Bible, Jesus could have changed the world just himself. But he realized, here on earth, I need a couple people. I need a posse. I need a crew. and, And I don't want no smart, deep Pharisee, Sadducee folks. I need some people that's got some dirt on them. I need some people that other people don't like because we're going after people that other people don't like. We're going after people who have been told they're not qualified to be among a certain class of people. I need people that look ordinary and, and, and just like the people that we're called to go after. And so, he chose 12. And even among the 12, he chose the thief, a betrayer, someone that would, you know, betray him. And then among them was a tax collector, which was, you know, you had sinners and then you had tax collectors, two separate categories. They were that hated, they were like, yeah, you got the sinners, but them tax collectors, that's a whole nother story. Then he had some real doubters. I mean, just everything. He'd be like, the sky is blue. Jesus like, the sky is blue. Look how pretty it is. You, you sure it's not like light blue? He had some real doubters who watched him perform great miracles among them. So he chose some regular folk. To help him build this thing. The two main points I want to share with you today, and everything else we talk about, will be built into this. The first main point I want to share with you is that the church is divine. Not the church, but church is divine. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor B? And excuse the temperature in here, it's it's a little warm. I think the AC is on, but it's it's not kicking out enough. What do you mean by that, the church is divine? Divine meaning by God or of God, meaning God commissioned it, God permitted it. The church, it, God chose it, God built it. This was something that God created. Divine, the church is divine. Your first note is church is a divine organism created by Christ. It is not an organization created by humanity. Church is a living breathing and thriving divine organism created by Christ. It is not an organization created by humanity to fulfill our social needs. Many people attend a church, a building, on a weekend, and that fulfills their social need. In other words, I got a great job, got a beautiful family, got this, I got that. Okay, only thing missing, I got to find me a church got that check. So I'm living the American dream. i got a church. I've got, I've got my family. I've got my friends. I've got a great career. So let me check that on my social need status. And if, if I ever have an emotional need, I know I can go to this building and meet some other people on Sunday morning or maybe Wednesday night Bible study that can pray with me. Church meets my social needs. And I'm here to tell you that's not what church is. It's bigger and greater than that. It's way more than that. If we look at it like that, then we look at it as if it's not divine. We look at it as if it's human created, like man created it, and that's not it. We just share that church is divine. It's something that God created himself for us, for and to build his the future for us. The second thing I want to share about that is church has a divine and protected future. Church has a divine and protected future. How do I know that? Well, let's look at the scripture. What does it say? First of all, we know it's divine because he says, whose church? I will build my church. Jesus Jesus is talking about his church. I will build my church. And this is the best part. This is how we know the future is protected and divine. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. If this was a Pentecostal church, man, there'd be some runners, shouters, backflippers, and the whole nine. If this was a holiness church, this place would have been erupted. It's simply put, no matter what Satan, the spiritual adversary throws at the church, no matter what the doggone media says about the church dying, no matter what the media says about the divorce rate, no matter what the media says about people leaving the church and pastors committing sins and all of this stuff, the church will not fail. It can't. It cannot. If I believe the scripture, when Jesus said upon Peter, I will build my church upon you. I will build my church. Did he do that? We talked about this last week. He did that, right? First he called him. He said, drop your net. Let me show you how to fish for people, right? So after he told him how to fish for people, he says, he, he asked him, who am I? Peter says who he thinks he is. The next thing you know, he, he says, I'm gonna build the church on you. So then we go later on to that book of Acts in the second chapter, and we find, you know, they're waiting for the Holy Spirit like Jesus told them to do. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes upon them. Peter had never preached a sermon in his doggone life. He talked a lot probably. He was one of the most favorites and liked, it, uh, uh, liked among uh, the disciples. But we never know in the Bible if he had ever preached a sermon prior to this moment. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's standing in front of all these people, all kinds of people from different parts of uh, the nation, all over the world, different languages. And he stands there, and all of a sudden he gets this great courage, and he stands behind on a rock or something like that, and he starts speaking. speaking. He's quoting Old Testament. He's dropping it heavy. I mean, he's going in preaching the revival of a lifetime. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people get baptized and give their life to Christ. And guess what's born in that moment? The very first church. Did Jesus keep his word? You're doggone right. And today we are Christians because he kept his word and he built the church upon Peter who never preached a sermon in his life but all of a sudden was blessed with the Holy Spirit, dropped some great knowledge and wisdom, and all of a sudden 3,000 people were baptized that very day. The church is indeed divine because Jesus said so. The next thing I want to share with you all, the church is relational. The church is relational. It's designed to be relational. Well, how how do I know that? Well, if I read Testament, if I read New Testament and we look at how the relationships happen in the Bible in the New Testament, it happens in three ways. Here's your notes. It happens, number one, between God and his people, between God and his people. Every time I read the Bible the New Testament, even the Old Testament, you can see that God is relating to his people. He's having conversation with his people. He's giving instruction to his people. The second one is between, among God's people. There's relationship in the church among God's people. As I often say, there's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. You can memorize the Bible from the beginning to the maps and be really, really gifted scholar like a Pharisee or Sadducee. But if you are not applying the Word and you are not in fellowship with other believers that are uh, uh, building you up and edifying you and, and and just, you know, holding you accountable and you're holding them accountable and you guys are doing life together, then you are missing the mark. We are a relational church. So, the first relationship is God and His people. The second relationship is God's people. Here's the third relationship. The third relationship that happens in the New Testament that we see is between God's people and others. Now, I'm not talking about right now. I'm just talking about New Testament. Let's just deal with New Testament. Who is others according to New Testament? Gentiles, people who were not Jews, people who were not accepted into this hierarchy of of religion. Others, Gentiles, the people who were ignored, the Samaritans, the people who were not uh, included. Who are those people today? We can go down the list. We can go down the list of, of people that are ostracized by the church, people that are kicked out of the church. One of my, one of my favorite stories, I love uh, Mahatma Gandhi. This weekend I had the great opportunity to uh, on Saturday to attend a, a neighborhood summit, and, and, and a big part of it was interfaith and intercultural. And, and I saw that many people that were there were not Christians, unfortunately. There were a few Christians— There are a lot of other uh, religions there. And there's something about us as Christianity, as Christians, we feel that we cannot socialize with people who are of a different faith. We cannot uh, hang out or communicate or, or even begin to devise plans that would actually save the world because they don't look like us and they don't read the same books that we read and they don't believe the same faith. And I know at the end of the day we all have a desire to convert. I mean, it's natural. It's part of discipleship and evangelism. I get that. However, that should not prohibit us from being in relationship with people of other faith. Here's the thing. I firmly believe that we can accomplish way more by speaking with people of other faiths if we look at this great community. And so, when we look at the Bible and we're talking about others who are others, others, according to New Testament, were those people who were not considered Jews. They were the Gentiles and the Samaritans and all these other people. And so today, the modern day, others will be people that the church ostracized. In many cases, homosexuals. It's the biggest debate. I talk with other church leaders. Hey, you know, I wouldn't have any gay people serving on my leadership team. Why not? Why not? Still to this day, we still struggle with the issue of diversity in the church. How do I know? Well, it's a fact that at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, it is still the most segregated hour in America. If that don't make you uncomfortable and like peed off, then we need to have a personal conversation. That bothers me. Today, I'm not bothered. I look across this room and I'm like, oh, this, this is pretty. This looks like the Bible. We look like an Acts Church. Huh? We look like the church in, in, in Colosseum. We're we, we looking good. But it's not just about racial and ethnic diversity. It's social economics. It's class. It's, it's education. It's all of that, race, cultures, all of that brought together. That's why we chose the name Mosaic. Because it, we want to be intentional about reaching people that God wants us to reach. Reaching people that are broken, with different backgrounds, different cultures, but have a heart to serve and love Christ. That is our mission. And we're going to talk more about that today. So, the three relationships, and then we're going to move on. We're we're doing good, Joe. We're doing really good. We're going to move on. The three relationships is one, relationship between God and His people. Two, the relationship among God's people. Three, the relationship between God and God's people and others and others. Others sometimes means nonbelievers too. I read this book one time entitled And the Gathered and Scattered Church by Hugh Halter and Matt Smay. And I love this quote. Uh, this, this is one of the few out of, many book, out of many quotes that stuck out with me. It says this, there must be both the gathering of God's people for encouragement, edification and vision impartation, as well as the scattering or sending of the people of God into mission. In fact, it is our involvement in mission that increases our need and desire for gathering. Let me talk to you a little bit about edification. That's such a Christian word, right? Outside of you, don't go to your job and be like, hey, let me edify you today. Boss, you don't talk on the phone to your client, hey, how are you? All is well? I got some edification for you. You're like, Education? What? What are you talking about? It's such a Christian word, but we never stop to pause and say, well, what does it mean? It sounds powerful. It sounds like I know Scripture. Edification is simply this, the instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually. The instruction or improvement of a person morally or intellectually. So, we gather as a community To be built up morally, intellectually, morally, and intellectually all ties into scripture and how we read it and apply it to our lives. Morally and intellectually, we come together to be edified. It's an illustration I want to share with you all because I, I firmly believe that we are called to be missionaries. If you're called, we're called to do something. Let me share this illustration. There were two churches. One was a mega church. Great programming. I mean, the programming was incredible. They had programs for everybody the kids, the adults, married, singles, everybody. They had wonderful programming, right? They had phenomenal worship. They had all of the lights and they had like multiple screens. They had it going on and they were growing. They had all of these programs and all of these things, and they were growing because they had all of these things and were sharing the gospel with all of these things, okay? It wasn't a social club. They were sharing the gospel. And there was another church, a smaller church, that was growing equally just as well. They had all of the same type of programming. They had all of the flash, wonderful worship, but they decided that, you know what? I don't think we're honoring Scripture, so let's stop the flash. Let's stop all of that and focus only on mission. Because Scripture says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was lonely, you visited me, and all that stuff, right? So that church stopped doing all the other stuff and focused only on mission, and they stopped growing. You know why they stopped growing? Not because they focused on mission, but because they stopped focusing on the gospel. You see, I want us to be a church here at Mosaic where, you know, it doesn't matter if we have flash in worship, or, where it doesn't matter if we're just serving. If none of it connects to the gospel, then we are indeed a social group. If none of what we do connects to the gospel, so in other words, if we're out there in a community serving them like in October next month when we do this great community event outside and we're offering health services and uh, not health services but health screenings and jumbo uh, bounce houses and all this stuff, If we do all of that and nobody shares the gospel, y'all, we just had a party and there was no gospel included and will never grow. I don't want to be a church where we just serve and do outreach. There are a lot of nonprofits that do that well, so let's let them do that. But we are a Christian community with a call to share the gospel. And if part of uh, outreach is, is part of what we do, we need to be sharing the gospel with it. And if we're coming together here, uh, having our small groups and there's no gospel being shared, then I say we'll cancel that small group and just get into reading some New Testament stuff. That's the only way that edification occurs. That's the only way that growth occurs. That's the only way that we become spiritually mature and intellectually strong where we can begin to share the gospel and grow the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to grow Mosaic Church. I'm trying to grow the kingdom of God. In this small community, there are over 50 churches in this small community called Mableton. And I'm saying to myself, why not, instead of Mosaic having a community event, why not Mosaic have one one week, this church has one another week, that church has one another week? We just keep doing them, sharing the gospel, but do it together. Because I'm not trying to grow Mosaic Church, and you shouldn't be trying to grow ABC Church, and you shouldn't be trying to grow your church. Let's grow the church the body of Christ. We're not a bunch of individual bodies. We are one doggone body. And if we share all of our resources together, oh my goodness, imagine. I have this vision. It's crazy, but I'm radical. I have this vision of Mableton being the first completely Christian community in Georgia. Isn't that crazy? But I like to think like that because I believe it's possible. But it will require all of us to pull our resources together. Mableton, a population of less than 40, I mean, 50,000 people. This entire community, imagine that. And it starts with us, what? The census, we check Christian instead of our race, right? Churches, we come together, pool our resources. Instead of Mosaic throwing a community event and Church ABC throwing a community event, we community, we all together throw a community event, have health care, share the gospel, preaching, and, sh- you know, just like doing a Peter thing. And, and, and all of us, like we tag team do a sermon. You know what I mean? We'll tag team on it like the poets used to do. You know, I go and you like, tag, you in. Oh, then the Word's in and then God said, tag, you're in. And then I'm going to tell you what to say in the book of Acts. And you know, we just tagging. It's like, come on. And then it's like, I'll take this side and start laying hands on people and brother, you take this side and start laying hands on people and let's start bringing people to Christ. Let's start doing prayers over here and prayers over there. We would turn this doggone city out. Oh, what a vision I have. Oh, what a vision I have for that to happen. But it would require us to realize that it's not about just this body. We're not a bunch of little bodies. We're one gigantic body that should work together collectively to make a change in this community. That's the only way that we'll see the divorce rate change. That's the only way we'll see an end to poverty. That's the only way we'll see better education. That's the only way we'll see more lives saved if we do it together. Oh, man, I got off on a tangent a little bit, but I'm passionate about that. I'm I'm really passionate about that. We need to make that change. I don't want us to be a church that just does outreach and not share the gospel. All right? So the next time we do an outreach, I'm going to be looking at y'all. See how many of y'all sharing the gospel. I'm not talking about handing out Bibles. Y'all do that very well. I'm not talking about handing out balloons. Y'all do that even better. Or handing out water. I'm talking about hay. Let me share the gospel with you. Let me, let me pray for you. Let me not be an, only an example, but let me be a sharer or deliverer of the word. Mosaic Church, y'all, I got some news in case y'all didn't know. Mosaic Church is a perfect church. We are a perfect church. We are a perfectly imperfect bunch of individuals that's trying to love God with all we got. We're trying to do the best we can. I like to say that we are practicing Christians. Do y'all know what a practicing Christian is? It means that I'm going to keep on working until I get it right, baby. I might not be there yet, but I'm going to keep on going until I get close enough where it makes sense. I'm going to keep going until I can share what I've gone through with somebody and their life has changed as a result of my testimony. I'm going to keep on going until I hear audibly from God that I've done a well job. I'm a practicing Christian. I am not perfect, you're not perfect, but this church is a perfect place for imperfect people. And if that's you, you in the right place, baby. The mission of Mosaic Church is to reach, teach, serve, and love people where they are, how they are, regardless of who they are, with the life-giving message of Christ. Reach, teach, serve people where they are, how they are, regardless of who they are with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I lifted out my hand to help a brother the other day, and he says, well, I'm not Christian, and I'm not going to join your church. I said, I didn't ask you to, but I want you to know that I'm a Christian, and I love you either anyway. Why? Because Jesus loved me when I wasn't one. Jesus loved me in spite of myself. Jesus loved me when I denied him access into my life. So, baby, I don't care what your uh, religious background is. If you need it, I got it. Now, let's make it work. Doesn't matter to me about that. I want to love the same people that Jesus loved, and I want to serve a church and pastor a church with people that have that same heart and desire to reach, teach, and serve and love people regardless of who they are, regardless of where they are. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about location. I'm talking about spiritually. I don't care if you think you are a religious scholar or if you don't know not one book of the Bible. We want to reach you. We want to be in fellowship with you. We want to do life with you. Why? Because that's the same thing that Jesus did with some other nobodies. And I want to do the same thing. One of the things we're saying this year is that we see church differently. We see church as a community where, here's some more notes for you, where everyone is known where everyone is known. It's funny that we are such a small community and some of y'all don't know each other's name. Can I just say that bothers the hell out of me? Yes, I said that. That bothers me to no end. You should know, man, listen, we should know each other's social security number we're so small. I should know your doggone blood type such a small community. I should be all up in your business. Huh? I should know all that stuff. Now, for our visitors, sometimes I get a little blunt here, so forgive me, but you know how they say, and this is for my sisters, no offense, but you know how they say you hang out with your girlfriend long enough y'all can tell when y'all having your cycle? Y'all should know each other's cycle, we that small. Huh? I'm just, can I be real? I'm a real pastor, y'all. Huh? I told you I'm a practicing Christian, so work with me. I'm serious. You should be able to look at your sister and say, sis, I know you're going through something. Do you need some aspirin? Tylenol. My doll. See? Right? Come on now. We should be that connected. Look at, look at, let's look at the church in Acts real quick. Come on, y'all. We, we, we we losing track here. Let me get back on it. We losing track. Y'all done started something. I'm sorry, visitors. We like to have fun. Acts. Let's go to the second chapter of Acts. Here it is. Here's the notes. Acts uh, 2, second chapter, 44 through 46 says this. And all the believers met. Now, this is right after, you know, Peter preached this dope sermon. 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ and all this stuff. Watch this. He says, all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, my tall included. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's uh, Supper and prayer. In other words, they, sh- they got together. They did everything. They did life together. Everyone was known. They knew each other's business they knew when, when, when a married couple was struggling and they were like, yo, what can we do? Let me put this on hold so me and you can break some bread and fix this marriage. Oh, they knew when the kid was acting up and so they a- a- actually offered their belt so you could discipline them. Huh? I'm just playing. We don't do that here. Delete that part of the uh, podcast. We put them in time out. They knew each other. They lived and did life together. We see church differently. We see a place where everyone is known. Second thing is we see a church where everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. Doesn't it feel good to feel needed sometimes? Sometimes. Like if it's a different person, if it's the same person always needing you, just like, dude, can you call somebody else? Isn't it my month off? But don't you want to feel needed? We need you here. We need you serving here. We need you serving in the morning. Thank you, Alex. You know, we got the same three or four people showing up. I think they would like a break, you know. I love coming, but I would like a break too. Been doing this church planning thing since 2009, setting up and tearing down a church, setting up and tearing down a church, setting up and tearing down a church. I'm not complaining. I love it. But a break sometime is all right. Sleep in another 30, 40 minutes. Anyway, we need you here. We need you out there on the field. We need your resources. Church where everybody is needed, where everybody is known, and there's some scripture to support that in Acts, but we'll move on to the final one. And this is the most important part. I want you to be known. I want you to be needed. But doggone it, this is the most important part, where everyone is changing, where everyone is changing everyone is changing. We're growing. I'm a different person when I came in the door. The first time I met you, I'm not the same person. Not because you preach a dope sermon, Pastor B, not because the worship just like knocked my socks off. No, because I'm in fellowship with other believers who will not let me fail. I'm in fellowship with other believers who won't let me bow my head. I'm in fellowship with other believers that are sharing the gospel that will not let me lack in any area of my life. I'm not talking just physically, but I'm talking about emotionally. I'm a changed person because I'm in fellowship in this community of believers. We see church differently. Now, some people sitting here like, man, please, man, the church around the block and believe the same thing. And they probably do. Man, the church down the corner, man, they believe the same thing. They probably do. But I just want to reiterate that at this place, in this community, I want us all to be known. I want us all. So what I'm going to do is ask you to uh, fill out a form, put all of your uh, personal information, your social security, number, and I'm just playing. Joking. y'all. Yeah, like, <gasps> No, come on, I'm not that crazy. I'm not that pastor that you did YouTube. No, I'm just playing. I'm not that. But I do want you today, immediately after I say amen, Introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. And don't just say, hey, my name is Joe and blah, 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 blah. My name is Joe, and I came to Mosaic because of whatever. Final thing, and I'm done. We sent out a mass email to everybody. We put it on Facebook. We put it on our community builder. What we're trying to do is share your story. Every one of you have a story. How did you end up here at Mosaic Church? What has Mosaic Church done for you, since you've been here, what, 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 has, what has happened in your life? And so what we've asked you to do, if you did not get that email, if you're not on our Facebook page, what we've asked you to do is record a short video, okay? I know some of y'all are camera shy. No worries. It don't have to be perfect. Put a mask on. Do a profile shot, you know? Have a face in this way. I came to Mosaic Church because, you know, whatever you got to do, do a silhouette, you know, if you're shy. <laughs> Whatever it takes. But I need people to hear how God is doing some amazing things in South Cobb. How God is still active blessing people. He has not stopped. He's not quit. He hasn't taken a break in in all of these many, 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 many years. He is still doing it. But the only way other people know that is to hear from you. It's automatic they expected to hear from me. I'm a pastor. Sometimes I wish I could drop that title and just be regular again. They'd be like, oh, man, he's saving regular folk. It's like, yeah, but he brought me here. But you all, not a long video. Some of y'all get long, it. it's only 90 seconds, okay? And two questions you're answering. How did you find out about Mosaic Church? And how has your experience or time at Mosaic Church impacted your life? You can email that to info at Can y'all do that for me?